Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. A podcast of Ira with Janine Stanley. Episode 10. In Colorado, access isn't just a state of mind. Welcome to this episode of Access Matters. I'm Janine Stanley, and today we're going to travel to Colorado to find out what it looks like when an entire state is mandated by law to provide access. In this episode of Access Matters, we are moving from the county level to the state level. Imagine an entire state becoming accessible. My guests today are Teresa Montano, Senior Solutions Architect, and Karen Pellegrin, Senior Manager of the Technology Accessibility Program in the state of Colorado. Hello, ladies. Hello. And welcome to Access Matters. So an entire state, how did this happen? How did it come about that the state of Colorado, not just with IRA, but on a number of levels, come to have this particular department and this level of accessibility? Teresa? We have an advisory board, an accessibility advisory board. We meet once a month, and this is comprised of some of our state employees and also some of our residents or advocacy groups. And uh, they had this great idea, I'm going to say even like four years ago, to have IRA for the employees, but also why not make it statewide? And we thought that was a wonderful idea and a big ask, but um, it happened. We were able to push it through um, to make it, it our state uh, campuses, our colleges accessible, and also our, our um, parks, our state parks are accessible using IRA now. So this has been a long time uh, of, that we've had it in the queue, but it finally came to fruition this year or last year, I guess. Yeah, it's been a, yeah. it's been a year, hasn't it? It was October yeah. of twenty two. Yeah, and it was part of a push uh, as part of the the law that was passed back in twenty twenty one, right, Teresa? Yes. Uh, yeah. So in twenty twenty one, to make all government entities provide fully accessible digital products, websites, applications, kiosks, but that's a tall order and it takes time. So in the meantime, we needed to be able to provide accessibility, access to all of these government products and services. And IRO is a perfect solution for us to help with that. There are a lot of services that the state provides and a lot of websites and places that you can interact with the state, right? That people oh, hadn't yeah. even really thought about, you know, oh, that's a state function? Oh, wow. Right, right. Well, and that's where, you know, Teresa and I were talking about the the parks and the campuses. We thought, yeah, I mean, just think when you're going into a park, how do you navigate that? How do you navigate the information, all the signage that they have in parks? We went and actually did a tour of one of the local state parks, and they have a, a visitor center, and there was all sorts of information there. And so you have to be able to navigate all of that and, and get all of that information so you have a fuller experience. Now you all have an entire state department, correct, for accessibility of various types. Tell us a little bit about that department. So it's actually part of OIT, which is the Office of Information Technology. And our 
program sits inside of that office uh-huh. and we partner with other departments and other programs such as vocational rehab, the public administration office, they handle like ADA requests and whatnot. So we partner with a number of those offices to make all of this happen, to start addressing accessibility and and the accessibility needs that both our employees and Coloradans at large need. So now it comes to our set of questions that we usually ask everyone. First of all, let's get to know you two a little bit. So Karen, how did you get into the work that you're doing now? Tell us a little bit about Karen. Totally by accident, but also on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) So I worked at the city and county of Denver, and back in 2015, they had a Department of Justice settlement to make both their physical and digital spaces accessible, because they weren't. And part of that work required, or the settlement required an accessibility coordinator for the digital accessibility Uh, I was on the, I was a web administrator, a senior web administrator, and I was on a team with one other person, my counterpart, and it was a choice that our director brought to us, and she said, you know, we have to do this, who wants to take the job, and I was already sort of passionate about accessibility as part of user experience, so it just made sense, and I, I stood up for it, and I was like, yeah, let's do it, and I will tell you, I had no idea what I was doing when I started. <laughs> I thought, oh, yeah, I'm just going to add a few, you know, image descriptions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh boy! So, <laughs> right, very un, you know, knowledgeable about that, and so I had to really dive in and learn all of that, and I did it for a good seven years, five, five to seven years. Oh, it was about five years, and then, you know, I I finally got us to a point where we had processes in place. I had regular testing and remediation efforts going on for all of our websites and applications, training. I got really passionate about training. Um, And then I started connecting with the state team. So that was Teresa and Lori um, at the time. And we started comparing notes and sharing ideas and stuff like that. And then this position came up and I was like, this is the dream job for me. This is exactly what I want. And so here I am today. Wow. Awesome. And I will ask you a bit about your position here in a minute, but Teresa, you are not only a senior, and I love this title, senior solutions architect, but you are also someone with a disability. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So I worked for CenturyLink, which is a a telecom, and uh, for 23 years, I was a software engineer at first, and then I went into program management and project management, and then, so I took about six months off and just trying to figure out my way, and suddenly, I had three job opportunities, and this was one of them, and I chose this this job because I felt it would, it would, um, I felt it would be more rewarding, the most rewarding out of the three offers that I had. And it has been, it's been very busy. <laughs> and I, I really enjoy, you know, working with the team that we hired. And, you know, I was the only one on, on this, I guess it wasn't a team when it was just me, but I, it was just me for four years. And then we hired Karen, or I guess we hired Lori first and then Karen, and then the rest of our team. So it's, uh, we now have, well, we have seven of us on the, the, the core team, 
but we have some other people that we hired in communications and also as um project what, management project management program and, and then alice is what's her title? our rule making yeah she's yeah. a policy advisor so she helps us uh with rule making oh interesting Interesting. So your group really touches all levels um, and all aspects of state government. Absolutely. Yeah. So Karen, tell me a little bit about your actual position. What is the Technology Accessibility Program? So that program was actually created out of the statute. HB 211110 is the original statute. And as part of that, we had to create a full program. And that program was really started by Teresa. And then she had Lori hired and then the fuller program with all of us uh, is when I came on board. And I will tell you, in the very first week I came on board, I had to interview four new people. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. So that was a little bit of a baptism by fire. Um, but we are designed specifically to serve our executive branch state agencies primarily in operationalizing accessibility within their department. Um, so within their organization. And that means addressing key areas using a maturity matrix um, to include accessibility in those key areas. So procurement, governance, we've got, uh, what was that, Teresa? Communication. Yeah, thank you. Communications and support. So what communications go out? How do we support people um, who need assistance with, say, accommodations? We've got uh, evaluation, which is really addressing the prioritization, testing, and remediation of all of our digital products. So there are all these different areas that each of the executive branch agencies and really all of the government entities in Colorado, they need to address that so that they make sure that all of their products are accessible, but all the products they procure and develop um, are also created accessibly or procured accessibly, and that all of the people in their organization know the importance of accessibility and how to address it in their daily work. And so we primarily address it from the executive branch level. There are non-executive departments, they, they're called non-consolidated departments. And then the local government is kind of, they're the groups that we do help, but we because we're not a very big team, we only have so many resources. We usually help them through larger organizations such as, um, Colorado Counties, Inc., there's a um, special districts, um, there's a school board uh, district organization. And so we provide guidance and resources to them through those larger organizations to try and get that information to trickle down and help them also meet accessibility. We do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. And I would imagine that you all take a number of recommendations of software and things like that, because I know there are a lot of processes that go on in different county or uh, state departments and different software is used and but we've been using this for years it's not accessible oh well um we don't have anyone here who needs it and i'm <laughs> sure you've heard that before right uh-huh uh -huh. you know, when i first started i remember being in a meeting and and i you know brought up the accessibility of the project and they said but teresa we don't have any money we don't have any resources. And I said, well, that's why I'm here. We need to talk about this these days. I mean, it's not just slide anymore. We really have to discuss this and make it happen. 
And this is a great segue into the famous question, how do you define access, Teresa? How, well, what, what does it look like when it works? It works, you know, you can get through your document or your website using your screen reader and everything is read properly. You can open your dialogue, you know, your um, combo boxes or check, you know, radio buttons, whatever it is, works. And you're not there for 15 minutes trying to get through, you know, the first page. And so I always you think should... you can't do it in five minutes. There's a problem. <laughs> yeah, you should feel good about the experience. I mean, if you talk yeah. about user experience and, yeah. you know, this is part of user experience, too. So if if we're talking about from a user experience standpoint that, A, this is a good experience. I got to this website. I got the information I needed and I got out. That should happen for everyone, not just people who are sighted or who have, you know, full hearing ability or, you know, color, you know, or language. Oh, yeah. There's all sorts of things that go into that. It should be simple, easy to understand and accessible. Whenever we look at different types of accessibility for people in Colorado, let's now take a look at the impact of having both physical and digital accessibility on the state. You've been at this for, well, you've been at this for longer than a year, but a year with Ira, what changes have you both seen in people with disabilities around the state and programs? As an employee, we have a, a core group of employees that we that I talk to on a regular basis that are use screen readers. And there's a couple of applications that we use in-house that are not accessible. And uh, Ira's been tremendous in that respect. So we're able to get, you know, an agent to work with us on you know, some of these products that don't work and we get the job done. So that's all, you know, we really, it's really important that we're not, you know, trying to, you know, take three hours for us to do something that takes five minutes. So this yeah. is the where Ira has been so helpful in uh, getting like our um, the product that we use for timekeeping. Ah, so yes. that's, that's the product that we, we have some managers, they have, you know, a hundred employees. And can you imagine if they had to do that without Ira, it's impossible. And sometimes there just is not the support directly in the office with, oh, I can just get a coworker to help me. You know, that's not quite getting it either. Um, have you heard from, yeah, have you heard from any of the citizens of the state about how all of this accessibility work that you folks have been doing is impacting them? Sometimes we do it, we feel like we do it in a vacuum because, you know, you think, is anybody out there? Is this really helping anyone? I've got a couple of emails from people that have used it out in the state parks. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. The Gods specifically, it sounds like there's several people using it out in Colorado Springs at the Garden of the Gods to hike. And, How awesome. Yeah. And wow. I know a couple of people have used it out there to hike. And I think that's really uh, tremendous. Also on the state campuses, there's been several people using it on the state campuses to, to navigate. They're just learning you know, the campus, they're brand new, or they're using it to help them get onto the different websites. I've heard it from some of the employees, not many, but some of them. And it's really satisfying to hear that it works so well for them. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm finally on it and it works really well. That's what we love to hear. I'm sure that's what any of the, the access solutions want to hear. 
to, you know, that people are actually using it. And uh, folks out there, if you are a user of assistive technology, please let the, the organization that you're using it with know that you are able to use their websites, their physical facilities, things like that, because it really does matter, believe it or not. Let's talk about your approach to built-in versus built-on or bolted-on, which however you want to say it, but building accessibility into programs. I think you both have been around accessibility for long enough that you've been able to see you've had to bolt on a lot of things, but you've been able to build things accessibly. What? Just give me your thoughts on that. I just think it's so satisfying when you've built something out of the gate accessibly. The best experience I ever had in that, honestly, is um, when I was at the city, we had to build uh, a map and it was a neighborhood map for a large neighborhood region of Denver. Um, and we needed to be able to show a bunch of information related to the enhancement of that region. So they were doing a lot of construction and rebuilding new roads, reworking the highways and things like that. And we had a map to, that needed to show all that information, including road closures. So mm -hmm. I worked with the map developer to build that accessibly from the start. I taught him like, these are the kind of iconography you need to use so that it's very uh, clear and visible to all types of visible readers. They need to all have labels. Let's change the color set so we're not using red, yellow, and green because a lot of people have color blindness. Mm -hmm. And so we changed it to um, green, orange, and purple. So we did Ooh. color tests. Uh, and it was really great. And so when we finally launched that map, we actually got feedback from the community. And I got a specific uh, email from somebody saying, thank you so much. I have complete color blindness. I was able to use this map. It was very easy to understand. I could read all the information and understand all of the different components and, and the menus and whatnot. And, and it was just so satisfying to hear that. So anytime we create a product out of the gate built with accessibility from the start, uh, the results, I mean, it's just, it's not even just accessible. It's just a better user experience. And it's so satisfying to hear that feedback. Yeah, I can imagine. We're working to operationalize all of that so that it is in every project at the very beginning in, the, in gate one, so that you know, we're not trying to build it on at the end. It's actually something we work on at the beginning um, with the user stories or in the requirements that everything is there to to make sure that they're all compliant from the beginning. And Teresa's work is at the heart of that too. So Teresa, you go to all of the gating meetings and really help inform development teams on what they need to do to make that happen. And are there any specific resources that, let's say, someone from another state or from another governmental organization, are there resources that you both would recommend they check out as they are building new projects? Oh, gosh, that's huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a big question. You know, we created an accessibility maturity matrix template that's based on other maturity matrix models out there. And we post mm -hmm. it on our website and we share it with 
local government. We've had our agencies use it. We've shared it with other state agencies. There's this um, multi-state agency group that we meet every month. Um, and it's it's got other states like Maine and Minnesota and Texas. And, and so we all share these great resources that we've either found or developed. And so we've shared that. We just launched a procurement toolkit to really help tackle um, accessibility in the procurement process. Oh, great. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've created so much stuff, but then we've also gone out to the state agencies and grabbed what they have. So I know this sounds wild, but Texas, they have a really good <laughs> procurement process wow. for accessibility. They vet really well. And we actually used a lot of the, the information, tools, and resources to help build our own processes. So we share a lot. And that is good to know for people who think, I don't even know where to start. Well, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So that, yeah. is, that is just hugely good to know because I think it seems overwhelming, especially if a state is putting in a new department or, you know, they had maybe someone handling accessibility, but it was one person and it was in addition to their regular job. And we hear that quite a bit in, oh, in it's almost at, always across, true. Yeah, <laughs> across agencies and whatnot. People come to disability at all stages of life and things like that. How do you folks get the word out about your program? And, and have you seen it affect maybe newly disabled people or any group more so than another? Maybe how do people learn about all of the features that you have implemented? It's a good question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know one of them. We try to. Um, we are working to create a, a communicate another communication plan to get the word out. A press release, um, that's really important. We've got some signage, um, and we talk about it a lot. So we've had a, one, two videos made. So we're we're working on getting the word out even more. <laughs> and I think feedback is a big deal. Yeah. Um, both mm -hmm. from employees and from, you know, people out in the community, Coloradans, when something's not working, we will definitely hear about it. And <laughs> I when know something that is working, we hope we'll hear about it. But when we do hear about something not working, I think now we're at a point where, okay, it's, we, we don't want to just push it to the side. We're going to address it. We're actually going to do something about it. What's coming up? For the state of Colorado in terms of accessibility, but also maybe events, anything that you'd like to tell us that your group is working on or that another agency is working on that you want to spotlight? I mean, a lot of what we're working on is a lot of stuff that's behind the scenes. So Teresa mentioned the, you know, communications plan. That's to promote IRA and a wider audience so we can really get maximum reach. So we're looking at kind of a multifaceted communications plan to get the word out, you know, print advertising, signage, press release, whatever it is. Beyond that, though, just what we're working on behind the scenes. So the statute requires that accessibility compliance be met by July 1st of 2024, which is right around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> and we know that people aren't going to get everything fully accessible by then, but they should have at that point, everything operationalized. They should know 
what they have and what they're going to do with it to make it accessible. Everything from we're going to test it, we're going to fix it, we're going to rebuild it, we're going to get rid of it because it's tech debt and replace it with something else. All those plans should be in place by July 1st of 2024, and they should have everything as accessible as possible by then. And what's not accessible, they need to have a plan to meet the needs of people through accommodations, whatever those accommodations are. So there's all sorts of tools and efforts going on. And I would say right now between January and it's happening already, but between January and July, it is going to be a flurry of testing and remediation of all the products from the top down. I would imagine. And are you looking for recruiting anyone, just regular citizens to help with that testing at all? Oh, you just answered, you just asked a wonderful question. So Teresa is actually part of this too. It is the community advisory uh, it's the CSC. Thank you. Community yeah. Steering Committee. We have someone on our team who got a grant to build an empathy lab. And the Ooh. empathy lab is designed to share the experience of what may or may not be accessible in a website or an application so that right now the state agencies can understand that experience and then we talk about how do we address those things. And the steering committee helps inform on those experiences and they help tell like what would be the best way to make a digital experience accessible from their own lived experiences. So the people on this steering committee are people with varying disabilities. That sounds like a great project. And I, I love the Empathy Labs because I think nothing shows inaccessibility and then the solution better than real world examples. So exactly. something that people can relate to. Your map example was a perfect one about, um, you know, something that hasn't worked for folks. And yet it's not hard <laughs> to make it work. Yeah, well, I will say it is actually hard sometimes, but you have to put the work in. I mean, it's one of those things where you get out of it what you put into it. Good point. Do you all work with Native American reservations, anything like that, any tribal properties in the state that you work with on accessibility or maybe advise or what's the relationship there? That is a that's, really great question. An excellent question. <laughs> we yeah. never even thought, we've never thought of that. That is so mm -hmm. good. We did and think it, about it a little bit mm -hmm. in terms of the rulemaking. So the Office of IT, the state Office of IT, which we're a part of, they have a, another huge effort going on right now on broadband to make sure that people can get Internet access anywhere in the state of Colorado. Because Colorado is largely, you know, at least half the state is rural. Um, yeah. And so with that, We've had some discussions about access in relation to broadband and how does accessibility fit into that. So we're having some early discussions about that, but the broadband office strongly reaches out to the native uh, um, native tribes oh, oh, good. in Colorado. Yeah. I've got, okay. you know, you bring it up though, and I'm like, we need to do more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and the big interface, of course, for a lot of people is the casino experience, you know, and, and that's wonderful. However, for the, the members of the particular tribe or people who are living and working in 
the reservation area. You know, it's uh, it's a whole other experience sometimes. So it may be good to, to invite them to the table and just I see. I am writing this down. <laughs> That's very good. I think it's, you know, it's really difficult sometimes to figure out who all the populations that aren't at the table are out there, you know, who haven't we thought of? Who do we know? Who do we see around our area? Who do we interact with that, you know, I wonder what people with that lived experience, wonder what their accessibility journey is like, um, just out of curiosity. No, that's a really good really good point because we ask those questions but because of the nature of our team and our area of business I guess you could say you know who we serve Mm -hmm. so our Mm -hmm. team our primary focus is on the executive branch agencies but I feel and we've sent out a lot of surveys to them you know how is it going what do you think what do you need and we did send out a survey I think it was this spring Teresa um, to the uh, to local disability community groups, uh, yeah, uh, various yeah. groups. Um, so there's that. But I I feel like now that we're having this conversation, it would be good for us to widen that survey a bit, and maybe we reach out specifically to marginalized community groups. What amazes me about that too, Karen, and it's a great point, some of those groups don't even realize that disability is among them, let's say, you know, well, we don't have anybody with a disability. Yeah, but how many of your members have vision problems? Do you know anybody who does in your community? Are they getting the services that, you know, they are entitled to from the state, et cetera? So, interesting point. And I will say Mm -hmm. there is one thing that people forget about a lot of times in this work. There are four core areas for accessibility. People who are deaf or hard of hearing, people who are blind or have low vision, people who have physical disabilities, motor-related disabilities, and then people who have cognitive disabilities. And that includes things like (laughs) dyslexia, dyspraxia, um, ADHD. So there's a huge community out there. And a lot of times those people don't even like express that they have that kind of disability exactly (laughs) they're hidden disabilities and so how do we Mm -hmm. make sure we meet their needs as well and I think even when they're not so hidden particularly with the aging population yeah I don't have a hearing problem I just really have the tv turned up loudly or 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 memory you know you know uh, people exactly their memory you know, they're not as quick as they used to be. I will admit that as I get older. Well, I was just going to say, we're not going to talk about that, right? <laughs> right. But it does bring up a point when you think about like plain language on a website. Are you yes. inundating people with all sorts of complex terms and, you know, language and instructions are really complicated and thing like that? When you do stuff like that, you're, you're excluding a whole population because they can't get through a process. Speaking of memory, I remembered the question that I was going to ask. <laughs> Let's say that a state is thinking about doing what you you folks have been doing for a while in Colorado. What would you advise them? How would you advise them? What would you say to someone just starting in this journey of trying to make their community accessible? Uh, I'll start. I'll start with yeah. this because all right, when I first started and you know um the bill was passed 211110 
And I said, we're, we're not going to be successful unless we have, first of all, support from our executive leadership team. We needed to have that. Plus, we needed to have the resources to do this. So, you know, I had to go up to bat to get funding for everything. And I would say that was really most of the 70% of my time was out there working on doing that and, you know, working on getting the funds and you know, putting it through to the legislator to get votes and all of that. So I would say executive support would be the first thing. Then comes the funding, of course. So those are the first two things. And Karen might have some more to say. Well, I mean, I do, but I, I 100% agree with you, Teresa, because that was when I started, even though it came out of a, a legal, a federal level legal settlement, there was a hard time in the beginning getting that buy-in. And part of it was because of a lack of understanding, a lack of understanding of what needs to be done and the scope of the work. So you have to have that buy-in like you're talking about, Teresa. You have to have that funding. And then you really have to know what do you have? What are all the products do you have? So I really like to focus on the inventory. Start out with an audit. Do an audit of every digital product you have. Everything from digital signage and kiosks to websites. Documents are huge. And then you can decide from there once you have all that, you can start doing things like prioritization. And there's lots of other work that needs to be done in terms of the operationalization of accessibility, making sure that it's part of the development process, part of the procurement process. But you can't get into all that unless you know what you have. Like, what are the policies you already have? What do you need to add in terms of policies and governance and training and all of that? So, yeah. First thing is definitely buy-in, though, and then funding. Mm-hmm. And another trick question: Do you ever are you ever concerned that a change of administration at any level might wipe this all out? Every time. <laughs> That's what you know. I do that every time we have an election. Just cross my fingers and say, "Okay, you know what? This is established. You've spent a lot of money on it. Please, I know. Don't just <laughs> you end up twitching about it, like, oh gosh, a new person is coming in.' But I will tell mm-hmm. you, we are just having a new CIO come in. Um, Our CIO is retiring. And as of this Monday, yesterday, we got a new CIO on board. Here's the funny thing. I'm actually feeling good about this one because it's my old CIO. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Outstanding. And and I think we find out that a lot of politics, you know, it, it, you will find people from all the political levels that have probably been exposed to your work before at some, you know, juncture of their interaction with you. And so you're not going to be totally unfamiliar, hopefully, to sort of the, the political lifers out there. Yeah, I actually wonder, Teresa, were you nervous? With the new CIO coming in? Yeah. Um. No, I not not so much because we have the law now twenty one eleven ten, and we yeah. we must be compliant. So, or at least we need to show that we are working on it, right? Yeah. So, but but you're right. We we could have gotten a CIO that just you know doesn't really want to worry about it. Yeah, but or doesn't really, care. Yeah, Tony was very passionate about it, and and I'm real happy that. Our new CIO is 
is also, you know, supporting us. Yeah, this is wow. That's great because uh, I think, you know, that is, as you've said, half the battle is that support administratively. And then you have made a great point about having a state law that really codifies this and says, this must be done. And as we've seen around the country, yeah, it seems like it's easy to repeal some state laws, but it's not as easy as people think. So I would suggest too for people to think about legislation and think about who might help you get that Absolutely. across the finish line. And uh, Teresa, I know you you had a big role in that. That's what I was um, going to say. Teresa was part yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what was that like? Um, you know, I'm sure it took a while to explain the problem to people. Yeah. And, and we're still explaining the problem to people. And that's probably the biggest yeah. thing we do, all of us, every day, is explain the problem to people. And then we discuss solutions, right? That's what we're here to do. That's right. And yeah. it is nice when you explain the problem and you see the light bulb go off. Um, it's yeah. also very frustrating on the other side when you try to explain the problem. They're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that, which doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. So then you have to go, OK, well, how can I tackle this from a different angle? If people wanted to contact either one of you and learn more about your department and the work that you're doing in accessibility, how might they do that? We have a central inbox. So um, people can reach out to us at OIT underscore accessibility at state.co.us. And that's our central inbox. And we answer all sorts of questions from the state to the local level and even other states. Excellent. Do you have a phone number that people can call? We don't have a phone number right now. <laughs> We're all remote. So the entire department in OIT is remote. So it's like our, you know, personal phones or work phones. <laughs> oh my, I love it. That's a, that, And I think that's going to be more and more of the future, you know. I think um, so too. I know I hardly ever, as many people know who try to get a hold of me, I leave a message and I will call you back. Yeah, yeah. So, and what about your website where we can find out a little bit more about the Office of Information Technology and your programs? Yeah, we actually have an OIT website that has a bunch of our accessibility information on it. And I'm going to grab that. It's oit.colorado.gov. Um, there's a section on, on that site, uh, standards and policies, I believe. And it has our guide to accessible web services. So if you go yeah, to the, I saw that. Yeah, that, yeah, that's where, and we're starting to load up a whole bunch of additional information there. We just posted our procurement information as part of our toolkit. We're going to have a bunch of additional resources posted on there over the next month or so, including the maturity matrix tool. Um, we have a high level risk assessment tool that we just posted on there. Ooh. It basically asks, it's, it's 21 uh, questions. Uh, a vendor checklist, essentially, that procurement teams or whoever's procuring technology can ask vendors those questions, such as, do you have a compliance report? Do you have an accessibility team? Do you test using JAWS? All of those great questions. Mm -hmm. So lots of stuff is going to be going up there, and we already have a bunch of stuff there now. If anyone out there who's listening is in government, again, you do not have to reinvent the wheel because people like Karen and Teresa have done so much of this work that you can take and make your own. So, well, ladies, thank you so much. I, I had the joy of having a lovely dinner with Teresa and Karen and their whole team. <laughs> 
and a bunch of us are going to be at the CSUN conference again this coming um, oh, 2024. Good. So we'll be oh, there. Good. And we actually have two people speaking for that conference. <gasps> yes. One of them Excellent. on the Empathy Lab and one on um, accessibility planning using the maturity matrix. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, those are oh, fantastic. I will, if I am in the team that goes, I will try to make those sessions, but also I'm probably going to sign up and try to get them remotely as well if they have any way to get those yeah. because, uh, or listen in because uh, those are great. And having the examples there is fantastic. I know we had a, a great presentation last year for state agencies, and we are now working with several of them. So I'm um, excited about that. Thank you so much, Karen and Teresa. We hope you have a wonderful holiday season, and uh, you guys are going to be busy for the first six months of 2024. <laughs> I have a feeling. Yes, we will. <laughs> Take care, and thank you for being here on Access Matters. Thank you, Jenny. You can learn more about Colorado's technology accessibility program at https colon slash slash oit dot colorado dot gov slash about dash us slash programs. You can contact them via email at oit underline accessibility at state dot co dot us. This will be the last episode of Access Matters for 2023. We're going to be taking a bit of a holiday break. We'll be back in January with some amazing guests and amazing advice for anyone who wants to make Access Matter. You've been listening to Access Matters with Janine Stanley. This podcast is a production of Ira Tech Corp. To learn more about visual interpreting, visit our website http colon slash slash ira.io or email us at access at ira.io.